morning crypto. This is an email from the SEC ethics attorney to Director Himmon, and it's pretty clear what she is saying. Quote, the analysis is the same for Simpson as it's always been. You have a bar under criminal financial conflict with Simpson because you have an ongoing financial interest in the firm. Meeting with them while having such a conflict is not permitted. As we discussed during your briefing, even calls with them are not permitted. And the reason why it was a crime for him to meet with them was because he still had a financial interest in the firm. Actually, he had a quite large financial interest in the firm to the tune of millions of dollars. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. And today we have a very special guest joining us. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, and of course, the renowned educator and longtime friend of the Good Morning Crypto show, Crypto Eddie is in the building, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how many of the biggest companies on the planet are in the process of turning digital, but there is an SEC investigation right now dispelling many of the rumors of how the United States has regulated cryptocurrencies thus far. And with SEC's allegations coming into effect during 2024, we'll break down the details, showing our community how big change is coming to the crypto markets. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, I'm very excited for today's episode, not just because we have a very special guest. We got some amazing topics prepared as well. So how are you feeling? And thanks for being here. Tabs, I'm feeling great. It's Friday. Good afternoon to all the war maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you guys for showing up every single day. Crypto's warming up. Everybody's excited. And we got Crypto Eddie in the house. So I'm super excited. Abs, I can't wait to hop into it. Crypto Eddie, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about today, but I think it's only fitting we start with the Elizabeth Warren Satoshi flag because you broke down some really important information before the show. It is not what we thought. We thought it was in contradiction to John Deaton running for Senate in Massachusetts. It appears it's something else. But first of all, how are you feeling? And thank you for being here. I'm doing great. And thank you so much for inviting me. And I just love doing your show because I have so much fun and, and uh, so nice to be here. We appreciate you, Eddie. And I want to say, first of all, Thank you for joining us this morning. But when we talk about the topics that we have prepared, there's a lot of rumors around Ethereum, the SEC, and the allegations that are coming to fruition. I'd love to start off the show with your interview from Pierce Technology CEO. I'm going to play a little 30-second clip, and we're going to get into the details of an XRP sidechain that now incorporates the Ethereum virtual machine. With the IBM sidechain, the main benefit is that the native currency is XRP. So basically... You can hold XRP and use all the EVM contracts uh, rather than being able to or needing to sell. And the most important point is that all these things will create a, a demand for XRP. We'll use this XRP to be uh, distributed to the validators of the XRP ecosystem that will be reinvested in growing, hire more people that will grow more. And we generate an entire uh, economy that is growing inside the uh, XRP ledger itself. So it's hard to encapsulate an entire interview in only a 30-second clip, but I think it's very important that our two things are coming to fruition. The sidechain capabilities of the XRPL now enabling the Ethereum virtual machine, we're going to get a little bit of the best of both worlds. That's kind of how I read it from the article, but what were your biggest takeaways from the interview? And then we'll dive into the details. So that was from Pratt. He is the CEO and co-founder. Uh, he's got a really long history of being in the space and, and building a lot of protocols. 
he understands it very well. And I think he drove home so many points for me. He spent about 90 minutes. Um, I've released three clips from that conversation. I have a, a little bit more to release, uh, but at the, at the end of the day, it's going to get the ledger uh, that much closer to being able to integrate with these smart contracts that can occur on a side chain uh, with the EVM. And he brought up a lot of points, like, for example, the amount of EVM chains out there, it's very difficult to have the ledger compete without having the uh, capability of that uh, bridge. And so we've got that bridge, which is an amendment that's going to be passed, and they'll be able to bring that digital asset that is native to the XRP ledger over into it, a lockup in that chain, and then those can be executed, used to help execute those contracts. So the use cases just are going to be so much more than what currently can be done with payments and NFTs and and there's some interesting stuff with the escrow on the XRP ledger, but you're just going to see use cases go even more. And there'll be a list of partners, I'm sure, that that end up coming back into the XRPL ecosystem because they're going to find that it has this capability it didn't have before. So hopefully developers will be attracted to work within the ecosystem as it's as itself. You, you see right now, if you go to Futureverse and you go to the Moai Finance, which you can use your XRP right now to actually participate in their ecosystem for some DeFi, they're all getting ready and set to have that EVM sidechain engaged. And so that is a perfect example if you want to see a loop economy that brings the digital asset into the EVM sidechain, and and it's already, um, yeah, it's almost there. So when that bridge gets uh, voted on and it passes, you're probably going to see the developers around the world start to pay attention to the XRP ledger more, which is a wonderful thing. And that's what that's always been excellent and good because that drives more value to the whole ecosystem. And I think everybody's wondering, with the community overly negative right now, what are some of the positive catalysts on the horizon? And these are some capabilities that we're seeing. Automated market makers, tokenization, we have hooks being voted in as well. So I wanted to broadly ask you, what are some of the biggest amendments and biggest capabilities coming to the XRPL that have you optimistic instead of pessimistic like the majority of the community is? Yeah, it's funny. I don't feel pessimistic at all because I see all this build out going around. I see the F assets coming onto Flare. I mean, my gosh, you talk about a use case for the not only not only XRP, but also for Doge and also for BTC to go out the gate. And then there's going to be more assets from there because they're going to try to connect to everything. So we have Futureverse doing a lot with the ecosystem. We have F assets doing a lot with the ecosystem. The amendment is back engaged um, when could it can it actually be merged onto the mainnet I don't know I have said that it would be really amazing if we had the EVM capabilities with the sidechain and also something that was uh, in the XRP ledger natively like like hooks um, I don't know if that'll happen but I just see so much going on more than 
ever before. I don't know how you could be negative. So yeah, I, I don't have that same sentiment. Maybe if everybody's feeling that way for price, that's a whole different story. But when you talk about building, when you talk about things that are actually happening with the ecosystem, it's never been more active than it is today. Johnny Crypto, what do they often say? Comparison is the thief of joy. And there's a lot of positive things happening on the XRPL. But when you're comparing the price charts to Solana and Ethereum and Bitcoin, it seems like our community is being left behind. So I think the, the pessimism is unwarranted. When you take a long-term outlook and you even look at the price chart, I'm going to pull it up while you're giving your response. But you can see an 18-month trend that is in a positive direction. So things are going well as long as you don't compare it to some of the other price charts in the market. What's, uh, I'm going to give the open floor to ask Gary a question. Well, I'll teach you uh, something simple. So when you watch a football game, there's a whole book on actually where to watch the game. Because most people just watch the football. It's the wrong place to watch. You really want to watch you know, certain players or certain trenches. When you're watching a, an investment, you need to know where to watch. And the problem is everybody's watching the price. That's not the place to watch. I don't know how many times I got to say it. Watch the adoption. Watch the activity behind the scenes. Watch the, the, the building blocks that are being built, the partnerships and all the, the things that happen behind. Because those are the indicators that's later going to lead to price. But everybody's looking in the wrong place. Now, we here, we've been trying to educate you and tell you, hey, AMM's coming, tokenization's coming, custody's coming. They're building on all these beautiful natural adjacencies to their company in these uh, use cases that eventually are going to take off. But the problem is nobody likes waiting. People are impatient. Humans don't want to wait to become rich. They want to become rich overnight. And therein lies the problem. So don't watch the price. Watch the activity. The price comes later. Abs. I don't know how many times we have to say it, but hopefully that helps people at least start to think uh, from, from a mindset perspective. Go ahead, Crypto. Uh, Eddie. Well, the only thing I say is that, that some, some digital assets take more patience than others. And I'm just going to name one that I actually just have, I wrote off because I didn't think it would ever come back to life. <laughs> That's my SHS, uh, SHS or S SHX. Sorry. Um, it's a, it's a company, it's a payments company in San Francisco that Ripple actually invested in. And they were funded at the same time Hugo got the funding for Flair. And they do payments in some uh, sectors that are that are difficult to handle and they do it really well. And they do a lot of really good payments and they have great employees. I really like Tammy Camp a lot, the CEO. I've had her on the channel. And um, I, I really had a lot of, I love payment tokens. So it's one of the ones that I decided to add to my portfolio, but you know, it went nowhere except now that it's up a over a thousand percent. So, you know, sometimes it takes more time than others uh, to get the traction and to get the, the overall vision, uh, it, it, you know, going. So I, I think, um, SHX is an interesting, if you like payment tokens, that's one that is that is interesting. WadsPay, WadsPay has a huge announcement. They've got a big Ripple employee, senior Ripple employee coming over to their Singapore office starting April 1st. So that's, uh, that's, an, that's an interesting one too to watch. Yeah, the utility tokens are fun because um, they do have that staying power, unlike some of the meme coins, which are fun to jump into, make a little money and get out. But if you're not into that kind of 
experience, then the longer holds in the in the payment tokens are a good, I think, a good selection. I'm glad you brought up Wads Pay. We actually brought that up on this show, man, maybe about a year or two years ago, briefly, because they are working on some really cool stuff on the back end of apps and how they work. And they've got some really good connections and relationships. That's certainly another one to keep an eye on as they continue to grow. And speaking of keeping an eye, Abs, we have the best chat group. This had me laughing my my pants off because unfortunately everybody is watching Taylor. Taylor I love our I love our chat. We have the best community out there. But anyway, getting serious. Wads pay abs very, very, you know, if you're getting into this space and you're starting to look for some places to invest, I highly encourage everybody to do some research on Wads Pay. I really like what they're doing. I like their connections. Um, and especially as you mentioned, you know, with some information there of a high senior ripple person coming there. It, I think they're another company that's putting a lot of pieces into place and another good play again in the long term. I wanted to transition this into a quick VeChain conversation before we get into our XRP content because VeChain is one of these tokens that for me personally, I debated if this thing was dead for quite a while. And to see it come back and have the price run it's had over the last couple of weeks, it's been fairly optimistic. We did touch above five cents this morning and I'm going to zoom out to a longer time frame, but there was a really interesting article that we covered about a week ago, Eddie. And what it said was that they had passed over 200 million transactions with Walmart's supply chain alone. Those are the types of articles that we typically see during a bull run in correlation with the price moving. So it's not our first bull cycle, but it is our second. We're still learning here. What are some of your biggest takeaways from tokens like VeChain? Do these actually have big capabilities or are they just going to move with, with the money that flows through the market? Yeah, it's another utility token, but instead of payments, it's 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 focusing on the supply chain. And Sunny Lou, who I've had on the channel, is really focused he understands supply chain. He used to work for Louis Vuitton. He understands the importance of being able to verify that the product is real and, and took away his, his experience of selling a very high brand global product that was fighting knockoffs all around the world made for a cheaper price and hurting, hurting their sales and hurting their, their brand image. So he has taken what he learned there at Louis Vuitton and has brought it into the real world of supply chain and uses the token. So I think he's got a, a, a winning business model and it, 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 and it did do almost nothing for a very long time, right? So I'm so happy for the VeChain holders that had the patience to hang on. And yeah, who knows where this goes? I think the bull run Nobody knows how everything's going to go, but it's nice that we see a lot of liquidity with Bitcoin uh, price action and many of the alts will follow. So this is really lucky for those people who had patience. Johnny Crypto, we already got 503 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And there's a bunch of exciting, exciting articles to get into, but this is where I'd love to start the show here. The SEC's inspector general is investigating crypto conflicts of interest within the federal agency as the Empower Oversight is threatening the SEC with a lawsuit if it fails to provide information about the investigation. We broke this down a little bit yesterday, but now we're going to tie in how Ripple was sued by the SEC to some of the allegations going on between Simpson Thatcher and previous SEC Commissioner Bill Hinman. The US SEC's Office of Inspector General is investigating a cryptocurrency-related financial conflict of interest that was identified by an accountability group, Empower Oversight. 
On February 15th, a statement from the Empower Oversight Disclosure that the SEC's division was in the final stages of completing an open investigation into matters relating to the failures of the SEC's ethics office and former official William Hinman. Hinman is accused of participating in matters where he held a financial stake, notably delivering a contentious speech asserting that specific digital assets such as Ethereum were not subject to the SEC's regulation as securities. Critics within the Ripple and XRP community contend that Hinman's speech unfairly favored Ethereum, potentially giving it an edge over other digital assets in the market. Uh, you can remove the potentially there. Empower Oversight emphasized the concerns by presenting documentation indicating that the key figures from Ethereum, including co-founders Joseph Lubin and Vitalik Buterin, were involved in drafting the infamous Bill Hinman speech. In addition, the watchdog also declared that Hinman blatantly disregarded instructions not to meet with specific individuals while working at the SEC. And that's what we opened up the show with earlier, Johnny, is when Jeremy Hogan said he was not supposed to talk to Simpson and Thatcher, not in person or over the phone. When Hinman departed from the SEC in December of 2020, he returned to Simpson and Thatcher as a partner. And that same month, the SEC sued Ripple, alleging that XRP was an unregistered security. This matter was officially brought to the attention of the OIG in May of 2022. Now, I do have the actual lawsuit pulled up here, and we'll go over the timelines a little bit later. But as you can tell, the first the first time this document was filed or this lawsuit was filed was in May 15th of 2023. Through that entire time, Crypto Eddie, the SEC has not complied a single document, hasn't presented a single document that they've been asked for by this agency. So we're going to kick it to Johnny Crypto, but I want to go to her first because I know what you're going to say. Nobody's held accountable. What do you think about what what he's saying here, the fact that this stuff is being brought to light and Bill Hinman is specifically being called out in these documents. Yes. Yeah, so I think the investigation is earnest. And I think that uh, we're going to see if our government is really honest and forthright and if they'll just gloss over this or if they're really going to drill down and, and take action. I want to see some action. I mean, thank you to the Empower uh, empower oversight. It's empowerment oversight or empower oversight? Empower. Empower. Yeah. So th thank goodness they, they were the ones that got this going through the referral. Uh, there's no doubt that he just broke the law. There's just no doubt. And he thought he was above the law. And the fact that uh, he got caught, uh, there needs to be some action taken on this and yet Johnny's going nothing's gonna happen nothing's gonna happen if if it doesn't happen then I think there's going to be um again I don't think that there'll be people who will give up on this I think it's going to continue to be brought to light and I just can't imagine I mean I know he's gone from a period of time now where he's more protected than he was but you just can't disregard the law and say you're above it and do this without any sort of action at all. I mean, it's just, it's just, that's unspeakable to have our government do that. Johnny, here's something else before I, I'm going to kick it to you for response as well, but isn't it interesting that this has at least moved from a conspiracy into a full-blown investigation? Just a couple of years ago, people wouldn't acknowledge this stuff. These types of investigations give us validity. So that's a little bit of positive news. What's your reaction? Well, you know how I feel about these things, right? At the end of the day, you get all this information, and all comes out, and then nothing happens. Not even a smack on the wrist. Nothing. So, you know, that's the problem with all this stuff is it comes – listen, we already know what happened. Here, I'll tell you quickly what happened. 
Lubin and, and your boy Vitalik created this thing. They wrote up the thing. Him and Wentz uh, made 15 million bananas because all he had to come out and say, it's not security. We're all going to make a bunch of money. They all made a bunch of money. Complete conflict of interest everywhere. Completely illegal. Completely immoral. Completely unethical. And what happens? Absolutely nothing. Two years later, things came out. We've known the emails been out for two years, and nothing's really happening. So the best thing that I think is going to potentially happen is thanks to our boy, you know, Chris Stowe's and filming on XRP Unleashed, hopefully somebody will pick up the facts of all these cases and all these these details that are going to get released and make a documentary about it so the world can see it. But I do I really think, honestly, if you said to me, Johnny, make a bet today (laughs) on whether Hinman's going to get held accountable, I ain't placing that bet. I ain't a sucker. (laughs) I don't want nothing to do with that. The chances that you got a better chance of getting struck by lightning than Hinman getting held accountable, in my opinion. But that's my eight cents. Who knows? Maybe, let's hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong because I agree with crypto. I'd like to see accountability. But we just don't. We haven't seen it in years. So hard to say. And there was an interesting article we covered last week as well, where Stephen Arayoff was alleging that the CCP actually owns 66 percent of the Ethereum today. Now, these are stats we can't verify yet, so I'm not going to say that's the actual data. But the fact that these types of things are being cited, it wouldn't surprise me if this this is another narrative that moves from conspiracy into an actual investigation. Can we trace who owns what and is it connected to what he's saying to? Those things can be traced and tracked. So I'm interested to see the results. But did you have a response, Eddie? Uh, I just think that Stephen is is for sure has more information still. So I don't think we've we've heard the whole story yet. And I think he's slowly letting people digest it, which is probably a good idea. Um, doing a data dump with the entire would probably be too much. So I, I like the fact that he's that and he's also got help from some really amazing amazing sleuths in the in the industry. You know, Truth Labs is doing a great job. And so I'm really happy to see that that this is the second release they had out, which was the phone call with with uh, Joe Lubin. And he talks about how they can erase the past, right? Erase the first, what was it, 90 days? I might be off on that amount. But he said that, you know, it's blockchain. We can just, whatever we did the first 90 days, we can make it disappear. Um, so you can see that uh, what what Stephen has been saying has been true all along. I think that what the most important thing is to realize is that he is credible and his story has teeth. And whether or not there are going to either be more media to pick up the story, I'm not sure. I think that's been a little lax for me in terms of the other media out there. They still seem to be ignoring it, um, which is really a shame. So I hope that he has a, a better coverage from those other independent medias, so-called independent medias that are supposed to be not biased out there. I hope he gets a little more coverage. But the fact that he has so far proven everything he said uh, is true is coming back with the receipts. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of his releases. And I really like the fact also that he's releasing a lot of this in the form of an NFT, which is documenting it all on the blockchain. It's really a genius move as well. So you can't revisit and and change history on what he's, you know, given us. And so that's, that's great. And I'm, I'm following it closely. And I think that it's, 
but it's really going to be important to tell the truth at the end of the day. And Johnny Crypto, whether anybody's held accountable, the truth is at least coming to light. And this was the estimate that I was breaking down earlier, and it's from Boring Sleuth, a.k.a. Truth Labs on Twitter. He said the CCP has taken over crypto by being Ethereum's largest hidden whale with an ownership estimation on my end of near 66.6% of the Ethereum supply today. Now, that is unbelievable if it's true. It would be groundbreaking, game-changing information because the whole idea with Ethereum is that we're reaching us a point of sufficiently decentralized, right? When we listen to people talk about the product, that's going to be a key objective over the next 12 months. Johnny, why don't you just close this out and we'll move forward. We still have no clue to this day what in the hell sufficiently decentralized even means. Tell me the definition. I got the dictionary over there. Google it. Wikipedia. You ain't going to get an answer because it doesn't exist. It's whatever this Hinman thinks in his head. That's just a complete freaking scam and joke in itself. That's just right off the bat. That's how you know we got an issue right there. But, um, you know, you know, just the reality is, Abs, the one thing I will agree with you is correct is where the truth is coming out. It's nice to see the truth come out. The problem is if nothing happens with the truth, then stuff repeats itself over and over again because there's no fear of repercussions, and that's the problem. And so we need we need we need some just uh, uh blah. we need some just you know uh justice. But I don't I don't I can't even speak no more. Uh, I get it gets me all riled up. You can't even say that word in America anymore. I can't even anymore. say the word because it doesn't exist. I haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't seen it happen when I come here in a while. Well, hopefully we'll get to see something happen abs at the end of the day, or nothing else. At least we'll get a good documentary out of it at some point in time. And Gary Gensler's been very hesitant to comment on Ethereum, but these types of clips are becoming more common when it comes to the SEC commissioner. We already got 570 people here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A special thank you to our friend Crypto Eddie. This is Gary Gensler just yesterday talking about crypto being rife with fraud. Field, Becky, that's been uh, rife with fraud and manipulation. And look at all the bankruptcies. And you've you've had on this set right. people talking about those various bankruptcies. And it's not just one entity. It's entity after entity after entity. And then investors are just lining up in the bankruptcy court. Field. I mean, misleading is a nice way of putting that, Johnny. But this is these statements are really just par for the course when it comes to Gary Gensler. Go ahead, floor is yours. You mean Gary Gensler, the same guy that said, "Hey, come on in. The door is open. We're going to work with you. Fill out the document online. So simple, piece of paper you fill out. It's easy. Yeah, no problem. The one that says how many shares you want to start your company with for a crypto company. I mean, it's just it's comical." This stuff he is. And oh, by the way, wasn't he the guy that was sitting, you know, across the desk and having a lot of a lot of conversations with, with your boy from FTX over there? And where's the accountability there? Nobody knew FTX and Sam Beck Freeman better than this guy. And boy, that one, that one snuck right under your nose, huh, Gary? I don't know. It's all a bunch of freaking horse crap, if you ask me. At the end of the day, this is the problem. Is right now, without having legal clarity real clarity not gary clarity real clarity of from congress of what is and what isn't you know how to regulate this industry apps it's always going to be one of those things where he just gets to pick winners and losers and that to me is a problem and that's going to hurt this industry it's going to hold the industry back in the u.s because you heard people say it we are for forever spoiling on tuesday and we had jeremy hogan on here months ago saying you know it's hard to tell your clients yeah go ahead and operate in the u.s <laughs> when they when they can get sued, you already literally said it goes. I don't want to operate something that could be a security and get sued. That's a problem. That is those few words is literally sums up the whole entire reason why the innovation is being 
I don't want to say it's stifled is probably the right word because it's not being stopped in the U S but it's certainly being held back or slowed down. And that is the very reason for it. It's, it's not good. And I'm pulling up an article in the background right now, Eddie, where just this morning we got breaking news out of coin bureau where he said a coalition of banks, and I'm going to pull up this tweet and show it on the screen. A coalition of banks currently approached the sec to allow them to use spot Bitcoin ETFs. The sec has effectively forbidden banks from investing in crypto products or providing crypto-related services. The group of banks is urge is arguing that there are certain crypto products that should be exempt from the SEC's rules. This is what happens when you don't regulate the market. Eventually, you're going to deal with the consequences. So hopefully that's a little positive spin. But what's your reaction? Well, I, I just want to go back to that CNBC interview. It was really interesting. For the first time, I saw actually one of the senior hosts push back on Gensler. And Gensler was fumbling all over his words. He didn't know what to say because when they talked about Bitcoin has this much fraud and, and you know, AML problems and, and fiat has this much and he did it two times, you know, showed the difference. I thought that was one, you know, good on CNBC for finally pushing back on, on Gensler a little bit. I think he was surprised that he got that comment, um, no doubt. And also, too, Brian Brooks was in an um, interview, and I, I shared that on, on my feed today, and he said that the biggest problem that he finds with the regulation coming through Congress is that the age of our representatives is so old, they just don't get it, and they're almost to the point of being incapable of understanding the space, and that is what he identified as the U.S.'s biggest problem was the age of Congress. That was interesting. I thought that was interesting. So um, no doubt that he's changed his tune from the days that he had Ito write his courses at MIT and when he was even shilling Algorand and now he calls Algorand a security. It's just absolutely amazing to me, the flip that he's made. Uh, he's not credible at all. And yeah, it's so obvious that he's being um, pushed in that direction. And, and it's just it's just disgusting. You know where I agree, especially is that when you watch his MIT courses, it's clear he understands the tech. So he can't yeah. just take the naivete approach where he says, oh, well, Gary doesn't really understand this stuff. He did almost a half decade of teaching teaching a crypto course at one of the most prominent colleges in this country. He can't take the naive, I don't understand, full of rife and nefarious activity. But Johnny, there was another thing I, I wanted to focus on before we move on here, is that money talks and BS walks. That's how we like to put it on this show. And when big Dang banks up. find out about altcoins, there's going to be the same reaction that they're having to Bitcoin. When they're allowed to trade these products, TradFi is going to enter the conversation. We've heard Raul Paul say it. We heard uh, Anthony Scaramucci. We heard Pompliano say that as well. So I'd like to hear your reaction before we move on to some more Ripple content. 100%. No doubt. It's my father used to say all the time, money talks and bullshit walks, son. He wasn't kidding. It sure does. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to happen. See, these congressmen, crypto areas, right? Our congressmen are very old. The problem is it doesn't matter because they don't read anything anyway. They're just basically told, hey, here's a bunch of money. You're going to be pro-crypto. Or, hey, here's a bunch of money. You're going to be anti-crypto. The reality is, the reality is we all know how Congress works. It's the lobbyists. It's the money that flows behind them which is why I love the idea of somebody said they should, they should wear like, you know, like race cars, you got the brands all over you. 
these congressmen should all wear the stickers of which lobbyists, you know, slap them all over. They'd look like a funny, funky looking race car because they'd have freaking from toe to, to head, they'd have stickers all over their body of what they're supporting. Yeah, that, this doesn't matter. The, what matters is who, what money, who's got the bigger pile of money, the pro crypto people or the anti crypto people, because that's what this is a battle of two factions of money. And the pile of money that's bigger is ultimately going to win in the game at the end of the day because that money is going to get funneled to more congressmen. And the more Congress puppets that you buy, the higher probability you have eventually of probably getting some regulation, at least in my opinion. So I think that someday you already heard. You're, so we see two WWE flips already. We see Larry Fink switch from anti-crypto to plus crypto. And just the other day, we saw Yellen. Yellen came out telling Congress. We need regulation, stablecoin regulation, right? So it's coming. We're gonna that that money is winning. That portion is gonna win. But you're right, Abs. The altcoin, they're gonna get left in the dark. Watch the regulation is gonna include stablecoin regulation and non-security token regulation. But it's gonna ignore, in my opinion. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think they're gonna address in this round of regulation what to do with altcoins. I think they're just gonna leave that up to the SEC. But but it's interesting that the the Waller is his last name from the Fed just gave a speech two days ago and he brought up the, and Brian Brooks has been talking about this for a long time and so is Hugh Hendry which if you don't follow him it's acid capital I think he's he's a little bit um, extreme in his views but boy sometimes he's right on two years ago I heard him talk about how stable coins that are backed by the dollar which is more than ninety percent are going to be instrumental in keeping the dollar's dominance and be able to provide that 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 demand for the dollar still and you know they the two of them brian brooks and hugh was saying you don't understand the 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 best thing ever for the united states government to keep the dollar in place is to pass legislation on the u.s backed stable coins and the fed waller said in his speech that one of the most interesting parts of using that stablecoin is with DeFi. And he said, because the crypto that's used for DeFi off ramps into stablecoin. So if you can capture all of that DeFi and people are on and off ramping with those crypto DeFi platforms and they're using the stablecoin to get on and off those apps, that's the best thing in the world for the dollar. And that's what Waller identified. So I have a feeling if that's the story that they're going to go to Congress and tell that, hey, look, the dominance of the dollar is down below 60% now. This is getting crucial. We've got more people joining BRICS where there's more rumblings that, that people want to move away from the, you know, from the oversight of the U.S. This stable coin and its use case in digital assets and crypto is the best thing ever. I think this is the story that's going to be told, and that's what's going to get the regulatory clarity over the line. Yeah, I think that, you know, for certain, the U.S. dollar is in a lot of trouble. The BRICS are, you know, it's the beginning of the end with the BRICS coming. So that is great narrative. And I think you're right, crypto. They That's probably going to be the narrative they'll use. We need to do something to save it. Oh, by the way, here's your stable coin regulation. And I, and I, and I think we'll get that hopefully within the next year or so. Um, yeah. because and, the 
and with the compliant DeFi that's on the horizon. So you've got crypto, you've got compliant DeFi, and you've got stable coins passed. I'm telling you, roll out the red carpet. Crypto, crypto Eddie, before we move into our conversation about Ripple's acquisition, I would love to get your take on tokenized assets on the XRPL. When we talk about the most positive catalyst on the horizon for XRP, that seems to be one of them that always enters the conversation. What's your take on, first of all, David Schwartz stating last summer we're 12 to 18 months away from tokenized assets on the XRPL. But number two, what could that catalyst mean for the price of the XRP token? There seems to be an idea out there that when you mint an asset on the XRPL, that value is now stationed within the blockchain. So if I had a $100,000 house and I tokenized it on the XRPL, that $100,000 worth of tokenized value exists within the XRPL platform. Maybe you can expel the rumors or explain that further. Is that the case? Is that how that works? Well, just like we see now with all of the contracts that are in the millions uh, on Ethereum, a lot of that tokenization is value that's locked up on the Ethereum EBM chains. And Polygon is, is Ethereum is number one. Polygon, I think, is number two. And then it goes down into uh, different segments of the pie after that. The thing that the XRP ledger needs to really do a smart contract on a scalable enterprise level, it needs it needs smart contracts. So I think when David said that, obviously he thought that the EVM would be probably along the way with the passing of the bridge amendment. And maybe that's still totally on track. You know, they, they have the, um, it looks like that, it's on track and but but if you're talking about actually tokenization on not on the private chain not on the evm chain i'm talking about on the main net we need smart contracts <laughs> unless you do something really super creative with escrow you know you could maybe do some creative things with escrow <laughs> hello <laughs> um it's it's possible uh but really if you want to compete uh, if you want to compete in the tokenized asset world, you need a smart contract. And so, first of all, we just had Jackie join the show. Jackie, there's a better quote. There's a great quote from Drake: "Better late than never, but never late is better." And we love you, Jackie. Thank you so much for being Jackie! here. First of all, we're talking about XRP. We're talking about uh, the crypto market overall. But if you're looking at the market today, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening outside of XRP, Jackie. So, first of all, how are you feeling this morning? And what's on your mind? I'm sorry for jumping in during Crypto Aries' um, explanation, so I apologize for that. But I'm I'm so glad to be on on the air with you, Crypto Aries, and and I love you guys so much. I jumped in today. I had a little bit of extra time, and actually, Johnny K's birthday was yesterday. I know you guys. I know you guys all know that. I know he was on here, but I just wanted to wish him a happy birthday, and then also, you know, kind of throw down the crypto with all you guys. So so yeah, feeling good. Apps. Let's let's go. Well, we got some exciting news that we're going to get into right away, Jackie, because earlier this week we had Standard Custody be acquired by Ripple. And this is pretty exciting when you talk about a money transmitter license standpoint. So what happened here is Ripple is set to acquire the digital asset platform Standard Custody and Trust to broaden its array of regulatory licenses. The move will enable Ripple to tap Standard Custody's limited purpose trust charter and money transmitter licenses. This is following a $250 million acquisition of Medico, that happened in May of 2023. This activity has stimulated growth ac across approximately 40 money transmitter licenses that Ripple holds in the United States. 
as well as its virtual asset service provider registration with the Central Bank of Ireland. And I'm not going to read all these licenses for the sake of time. But commenting on this new deal, Ripple's president, Monica Long, stated that expanding the firm's licenses portfolio and making smart acquisitions, Ripple is well positioned to take advantage of the current market opportunities and further strengthen our crypto infrastructure solutions. So they're moving well beyond payments here, Eddie. And that's what I'm so excited about. There seemed to be some negativity when it came to Ripple expanding their use cases beyond payments, right? Even when I was listening to Twitter the other day, I'm like, this is so interesting to see how far the community's changed. I was really excited, not only about Ripple's expansion as a company, but the custody solutions they're offering in the USA for two reasons. One, we're seeing these products enter our jurisdiction in the US, but two, when Ripple begins to transfer value using XRP within the USA, I think that will be a moment where companies either adopt or they they launch a similar product, right? Not necessarily stating they're going to go with Ripple, but it'll be a day when the United States bank into an, and, and kind of evolve into an instant payment system. I think we're only a few years away and Ripple's positioning themselves. What's your initial reaction to this news? Well, anytime that they come up with new use cases, it gives them one more way to integrate the digital asset XRP. Um, so I would imagine because of the size of the escrow, the building of value for the digital asset XRP will remain uh, important. And I think that uh, we don't want to rely just on payments and ODL. Um, that's for sure. Uh, if they can come up with some, you know, there's going to be tons of innovation that hasn't even been invented yet. So if they're getting heavy into the DeFi world and they start to use the digital asset XRP uh, it within those uh, schemes, um, it could be very, very exciting, especially if it turns into institutional use, which is, uh, I think, where their sweet spot is, right? So if they, uh, as long as they are building out those verticals and they own all that escrow, <laughs> well, I think everyone can pretty much be sure they're going to keep thinking on how to utilize the digital asset XRP in all of these new uh, businesses that they're that they're acquiring. So I, I guess I, I feel like I don't worry about that. And of course, also, I've also said that I don't rely on just Ripple, the company. So as long as we also focus on other use cases out there other than what Ripple's doing, I think that's what it's going to take. And um, I, I, um, I, I feel positive for it. The, the standard custody, though, was interesting because Ripple, who always says they're so transparent, they didn't say anything about PolySign. But I did go to the PolySign Twitter feed and Jack McDonald did tweet, uh, retweet the acquisition and said it's so exciting. So I, I still would really love to know what the final situation is for PolySign because that was never explained. Did anyone else read anything that they can tell me? Because I haven't really seen anything that explains PolySign. No, but you know what's very interesting is that I didn't actually notice that PolySign had retweeted this announcement yeah. until right now, Crypto Eddie. What yeah. are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on the money transmitter license aspect of this whole thing? Because we know that Ripple had, I believe it was 31, and now they're stating after this acquisition they have about 40. There's only 49 in existence because one state has a different sort of a process. So what does it mean to you that we're seeing them not only connect these money transmitter licenses, but get them in jurisdictions that are more important than we've seen before? Before it was like Ohio and random states. I don't want no offense to anybody in Ohio, 
But one of the things that I've noticed is that they're going after bigger companies. They're going after biggest jurisdictions. Is that a positive sign to you in the short term? Well, everything's positive if they're if they're building out uh, infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I just and we don't know their strategy for sure. We can speculate, you know, what that strategy might be. Um, but I think that it's bigger than payments. I think payments are just one segment. I think there's some real world asset uh, tokenization that they were really super focused on. So I, I just I think we have to wait and see and and see how they're going to utilize those licenses. Maybe they'll white label them and license the you know license those licenses out through other partners. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they're going to do it. Pretty well, exciting time though, Johnny. Floor is yours. We're going to move on to John Deaton content. Well, money money transmitter license. Guess what they allow you to do? They allow you to transmit wire transfers across cross borders. So you know, in addition to a whole host of other things. I mean, the reality is when you look at what what Ripple or XRP, what they've designed XRP to do, <clears throat> you can't do what it really wants it to do in the U.S. without having money transmitter license. And the fact that they'll have them in every single state eventually just tells me they're far ahead of any other entity to legally be able to handle cross-border payments, online payments, uh, all different types of payment services, commercial platforms, shopping carts, online services, all that type of stuff that, that you want to be able to do if you think of payment solutions. You have to have a money transmitter license to do that. And I don't hear of any other blockchain company going after every single state and getting money transmitter licenses other than, than, than Ripple. So, I don't know. I haven't heard Stellar out there doing it yet. Uh, maybe they're doing it behind the scenes quietly, but it is very fascinating that um, if you want to play in this space, you need to have those. So uh, kudos to, to Ripple. They are really ahead of the game in this one. And it's an exciting time to not only be a Rippler, Johnny, but to be in the XRP community for a couple of reasons. This article is one of them. As Republican John Deaton is eyeing a race against Elizabeth Warren, and he just moved to Massachusetts in January now, this is the Boston Globe, and I chose this source because I'm from Boston. So this is where I grew up. I spent 20 years in Boston. I want nothing more than to see John Deaton elected to Senate in my state. That would be so exciting, not only because of his ideas, Johnny, but because of how much Massachusetts has changed in the last five years. I was just having a conversation. I referenced it yesterday. In the last few years, my family members have even said it's like it's, it's turning into a different place. So if we don't make changes, we're definitely trending in a certain direction. I'm really excited to see John Deaton on the ballot. Give me some thoughts before we head into the wave of innovation stuff. Well, my first thought is I still hope your license is, has has your address from Boston so you can go get your butt up there and go Unfortunately vote. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately He's going to need every vote possible, so get your butt up there and vote for if you can or get your brothers to vote for whoever can. Get everybody out and vote because uh, I know it's a blue state, but it would be nice to, to see uh, Deaton in the office. I, uh, man, how great would it be? to have somebody as smart and sharp as John Deaton, somebody with an actual brain on Congress that could actually, um, could actually educate that, you know, because Cryptary did talk about one thing, which is talking about the really old, right? You get somebody like John on board. He understands the space. He understands how to speak to them because he's an attorney. And most of them are attorneys anyway. Boy, it would be a breath of fresh air to have somebody who's A, pro-crypto, B, can actually speak, has brain cells, and C, can actually educate the community in this space, that would be absolutely tremendous to have John on this. So, John, I can't vote for you because I'm not from Boston, but if I was, just you know, I would vote for you. I hope and pray to God all the Bostonians get off their butts and go vote for Deaton 
come this this November because you're we we need him in Congress. You know what's really cool, Johnny, is that we always talked about how this is a WWE show. But if John Deaton were to get a position in Senate, that would actually change my opinion on American politics in some way. If a guy like John Deaton can get elected to be senator of Massachusetts, going up against somebody like Elizabeth Warren, she's won several terms in a row. She's been here for almost 20 years. So, uh, Crypto Eddie, I'd love to get some of your thoughts and we'll hear from Jackie. But I do want to roll into the wave of innovation content because this is why we're talking about John Deaton as well. John Deaton is going to be a keynote speaker for the XRP Gold Coast event this month, um, this year, starting on March 22nd through the 24th. And there's a powerhouse of speakers. We're going to go through the names, the Bearable Bull, John Deaton, Crypto Eddie. The list goes on and on. But I did want to get your thoughts on him running for Senate because I thought that was really important to me. Yeah. So these are my thoughts really quick. I think that he's going to take Elizabeth Warren's eyes off her ball and it's going to fluster her because there was no challenger before. So the fact that now she has a challenger, she can't just kick back and enjoy the ride. And also she's going to be much less effective in helping other candidates in other states that are also fighting that red blue fight that they all fight. And so the thing about the thing about Warren is that when she came into Congress originally, she had such a different story. I mean, it's almost like a flip like we've seen Gensler do. She was against the banks who were doing predatory behavior on with the credit cards. And she she really was fighting for the people who needed to have a voice when she first came in. But now look at her. She's basically a, a, a megaphone for Jamie Dimon and Gensler and who else, who else knows who, who, who yeah, yeah. Right. So um, she's her, her platform has totally changed from when she was first elected. I think John is going to be very effective in getting her to lose her focus to be able to help those other states that are in a battle. And he has a very, very good chance to do it. And why? Because I think he's got a very, very good chance to raise uh, some serious cash. I think he has a huge amount of support. And when people do hear what he, what he believes in and what his past has been like, he's not your typical candidate. And if you read his book, you'll have a lot more respect for John Deaton as a human. And I just think he's going to be very effective. He knows her very well. He knows what how she's changed. And I believe that there's going to be a super PAC. I don't know if you guys know about this, but I do know there's going to be a super PAC. That super PAC will allow people to make donations. Those donations then can go not directly to him, but can be used for um, TV ads, could be used for newspaper ads, it could be used for billboards, it can be used for, you know, it, it, if there's enough money raised, that super PAC can actually hire professionals that say, hey, you've got this many millions of dollars, let's do this with this. So she's got money, now it forces her, now think about this too, it forces her to go out and raise more money. Before, with her 3.9 million or whatever it was, she was pretty like thinking, mm, yeah, I've got enough. I don't need to get that much. Now she's starting to think, oh my gosh, I've got to raise, I got to raise more money. And when I saw the tweets and the comments on X yesterday and saw all the people who said, you know, show me where, show me where to donate. I'm donating. 
I don't doubt that he's going to be able to raise a serious amount of money, just not within the crypto community, but but extended beyond crypto because her her it, it's it's so obvious who she is working for now. It's not for the American people anymore. Yeah, and you know what the good news is? Everybody should take some profits from the bull run that we're going to have soon. Take some of your crypto profits and donate it to that pack, even if you don't live in Massachusetts, because John Deaton is a guy you want in Congress. And let's face it, you know, when she starts spurting her crap of, oh, crypto is a 1%, you know, talking about how it's for nefarious needs, at least John could come back and say, yeah, you mean the 1%? Versus the other 100% of cash that you, you know, you're going to finally have somebody that can counter her arguments and can speak extremely intelligent about. So take some of your profits. I'm going to take some of my little Michael over there. He's going to take some of his profits and we're all going to give a little bit. Let's all make sure we donate a little bit to John Dean and help him out. Because if you care about crypto, we need proactive crypto people in Congress. We don't have that many. There's a few of them. Write the list down. I got them written down right there. Write those names down. Make sure you vote for those guys and also add John Deaton to that list. One more thing about John Deaton before we move on here, Johnny, is the fact that somebody like John Deaton is also very accessible. He's often on public platforms. He's doing a lot of interviews. He's a man of the people, as they like to say. And one of the things that I point out about John Deaton is he took he stepped forward and he took on the obligation of fighting against the SEC for 75,000 XRP holders. Those types of things are never forgotten. And anyone who's read his book or even just heard the highlights of other people who've read the book, He's an exceptional individual, has an extremely tough background, and I think he's the right type of guy to go in there and make some changes. But we got 632 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Jackie, I meant to do this. But the wave of innovation is up next on the agenda, guys, because John Deaton is going to be speaking at this event as well. Crypto Eddie, this is really exciting. People can buy a virtual pass. They can also go in person. I'd love to give you a chance to break it down, and then me and Johnny will give our two cents as well. Yeah. Well, I want to say thank you guys for being a sponsor. And the virtual ticket is something that's uh, available for anybody who can't travel to Australia. It's very affordable. There's a professional company that's going to capture it by video. You'll be able to see more than 25 speakers. Um, the mayor, yeah, the mayor is going to open up. The mayor of Queensland is going to open up the uh, conference. But there's Scott Chamberlain from Evernode. There is somebody who's working with the bank, Central Bank of Kazakhstan. Her name is Dr. Maria Poinka. <clears throat> she is an expert in blockchain and tokenization. We've got Expector there. We have Bill uh, Morgan there. John Deaton is going to be there. Aaron McDonald, which is the co-founder of Futureverse. Uh, that is just, wow. He's bringing a team with him. There's Neil Smith from Ripple. Uh, there is Josh Kim, who is part of the XRPL Korea, an official Ripple partner and an official Futureverse partner. Uh, then we've got a lot of builders. Shen is going to be there. Shen has Zerpmon. Chip and Def Jeff are going to be there doing a lot of moderation. Jerome Fowry, who has Immersive, he's the first payment company in the history to actually work with uh, MasterCard and crypto. He's got the tagline, be the master of your money. It's going to be great. These are people who are doing presentations. Moai Finance, who I told you I'm using my XRP right now, doing DeFi on their platform, which is integrated with the XRP ledger. Jay Cambo, Spendabits. Everybody knows Jay. He's got a lot of really exciting announcements. The BPM wallet is doing the ticketing. 
Uh, Bearable Bull is going to be there. Uh, I've got a special builders series that I think is going to be really fun. We're going to highlight 10 different, very diverse projects that are using blockchain to solve real problems. There's Ross Edwards from Ripple. I have a fireside chat with Ross. That's going to be very good. Matt Donovan from Ripple. He's an expert in tokenization. I think that's going to be a really, really, really popular presentation. Um, gosh, the um, publisher of John's book, which is Brass Knuckles Publishing, is going to be there. There's uh, Sadoff is going to give a great marketing strategy. She's with Genfinity, who I think everyone knows King Solomon in the space. They're going to have a codathon. There's a pre-party. There's an after-party. There's entertainment. There's food throughout. It's a food coma, I'm told. It's a five-star resort. It's your night stay. You can come in for one day, two days, three days. Uh, it's just so, it's going to be so fun. And the virtual prep pass, yes, I don't want to um, miss telling people that if you can't, come in person. I think, uh, I know the the Australian dollars, but I think in US dollars, it's around $129 for all of these speakers. And I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of fun uh, video on the side too, as well. So I just did the math, guys, at $128, 25 that's $5 on average for a speaker, five bucks. You can all afford that. Sign up, go get your two-day pass at xrpgoldcoast2024.com. And, you know, for those who can't make it to Australia, you get to check out all 25 of these amazing speakers for just a, for a two-day total for just literally on average $5 per speaker, $128. I think it's going to be a great event. I'm super excited about it. Merlin's excited to be a sponsor there. And like you said, pay close attention. You may see a video on that as well. But we are super excited to just see the community come together. I love the name, Wave of Innovation, right? Driving innovation. This space needs innovation. We need more conferences, more attention, more awareness to this. And kudos to everybody for pulling this together. I know, Crypto Eddie, you, were, you had a significant hand in that, too, for making this happen. So it's awesome. And, yeah, it's a, it's a not-for-profit event, and so anything that is made over and above the break-even point is going to go into a grants program. So that'll be a grant for projects that build on the XRPL. They have the vision. Uh, there, there's a very small group of directors, and they really do have the vision. If we if we look at the, um, I I don't know if these numbers have been audited, but we've only got about 140 projects that have been funded by Ripple, and it's like uh, in the neighborhood. It's below 20 million. So, I mean, it's, 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 we need more. <laughs> we need, you know, what's really cool though, the yeah. fact that people can contribute to a conference like this and know that the money is actually going to go to innovation in the space that they're investing in. To me, right. that's what's excited about a conference like this. This isn't going to fill somebody's pockets, it's going to yeah. go into a grant that yeah. then feeds cryptocurrencies that we may be investing in. So, how cool is that? Yeah, and we're trying to showcase the ecosystem. So there's somebody from, you know, we've got representation representation from Flare, XRPL, from Evernode, from Zahao, and what did I miss? And Futureverse, which is, oh, yeah, did I miss them? Yeah, the root network, the root network. So yeah, these are all these are all uh, these are all individual protocols that, and Pierces, Pierces is going to, 
I believe not. I, I shouldn't probably say, I, I can't say that, that that's not, um, I can't, I can't whoop, whoop, pull that back out of the live tape. <laughs> you know what's great about YouTube is I can always edit these videos, guys. And we got 570 people here. Show us some love. Smash that like button and look at the sponsors list. This is going to be a really exciting event. And people are asking me all the time on Twitter. I just want to remind you guys, look at this. Blockchain backer, Bearable Bull, John Deaton, and a plethora of companies that are involved, including Merlin and Ripple in the same conversation. Johnny, you should print this out and put it on your wall in your room. That's a pretty unique opportunity right there. But Crypto Eddie, I just wanted to say thank you and give you a chance to make some closing yeah. statements. Thank you so much for giving me the time. No, thank you. And we always appreciate when you come on the show, especially if we can promote helpful things. I want to reiterate this money is going back into the community. That's what's so exciting for me. This isn't some sort of an event where we're going to be going and buying Lamborghinis. None of us are doing that, right? This is going straight back into the community. So very exciting to see. And Johnny, I wanted to say thank you and close it out by just give me some thoughts. First of all, we had a very special guest, but close us out on the event and then we'll close it out. Yeah. So again, guys, great opportunity to be able to see a bunch of your favorite speakers all in one place. You can sit from the comfort of your home and watch us, you know, if you can't make it out to Australia, which, you know, I know most people can't, you can watch it right from the comfort of your own home. Two days of all these great speakers for God, for hundreds of, when, when crypto, I told me it was $120. I was like, what, what? I thought that was like maybe per day. That's for the two days. That's the whole event. So you really, it's a really, it's a great price to be able to go and listen to your favorite speakers and to be able to more importantly, think about it. You are donating to a good cause. You're donating your contribution to, like you said, abs, the space that we all love and enjoy. We're here every single day, all of us, everybody in that chat over there, because you're all here because you love this space, and here's an opportunity to invest in it. So I would encourage everybody to do so. Go sign up. Get your. I don't know if the virtual tickets are limited, so you may not want to take a chance. You may want to go sign up and get those now. Yeah, the, the, um, the, the uh, partners that are doing the production for that do have a limit. So I think if we get close to that limit, there'll be an announcement. But um, yeah, I, I, that that's not my wheelhouse. I was really focused on bringing the 10 builders to showcase their use case using blockchain. And um, so, yeah, so um, just keep you want to follow the the twit, the uh, X feed to get the latest on the wave of innovation 2024. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eddie. And I just want to say thank you to Jackie. Thank you to Johnny as well. We got 531 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny Crypto, I'm going to remind you, if you were a smart man, I'd print this out and put it on your wall. This is a pretty cool picture we got right here. We love you guys. We'll see you in 72 hours. I hope you have an amazing weekend. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us. I already Thanks, took a right. screenshot and circled Ripple and Merlin. <laughs>